Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people. And you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. So I heard from my sister's friend's cousin that Kohl's has the lowest prices of the season and had to see for myself. For real, the deals are so good. I got my kids' summer tees for $5.99, a cute swimsuit for myself for $17.99, and a shark vacuum for $199.99, which will be great after Sandy Beach Days. I got Kohl's cash, too, and I got it all in less than an hour with free store pickup. So, yeah, summer, I'm ready for you. Select styles ends May 23rd. Some exclusions apply. See store or kohls.com for details. Your Xfinity Home Security System can't walk the dog, but it can tell you what he does while you're not around. And it can't stop your kids from sneaking out, either. But it can let you choose what real-time security alerts you receive. So you're always in control. No matter what you're doing around the house, Xfinity Home can help with a new way to customize your home security. And it was named the best professionally installed home security system by CNET. Click, call 1-800-XFINITY or demo in your local Xfinity store today. Xfinity Home. Simple. Easy. Awesome. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Like Jacko said, the whole world's coming together now. This thing could be on. The positivity's enormous. The excitement's immense. Can you feel it? It's the Day Trippers. Tonight's 25th episode of the Day Trippers, we have the excellent LFC writer Marco Lopez joining us from South Africa. And returning tripper James Owens also on the line as we discuss the dawning reality that Liverpool are in with a real shout following Saturday's 3-0 away win at St Mary's. And with no game this weekend, we'll actually begin the pod with the unpredictable delights that are your listeners' questions. Let's move it on then. Uh, sometimes there's just nothing else for it but to seek the answers to all the burning issues which you, our listeners have raised in listeners' questions. So the first one is uh, a nice general one to begin with. It's from Connor. And Connor wants to know, coffee, is it the best breakfast drink or the best drink, period? Um, anyone want to jump in on this? It's Swill. Oh, oh Swill, says Paul Brennan. Why? Coffee's a shite. Okay. Um, not having that. Not having that. Get in the fucking bin. Not having that. Not having it. Well, as a, as, as a man who works off of coffee, <coughs> uh, probably about 15 cups a day, I can't agree with that either. No. Casey, I can see you're, you're nodding in agreement with me no, for once. I have to have about eight cups of coffee a day. Yeah. yeah. Do you know, it doesn't show at all, fella. No. no. It doesn't show at all. It's not like you're in any way fucking highly strong or, or hyper or anything. <laughs> and, and you've got such a placid demeanour yeah, as well. Yeah, it's such a level of calm demeanour. Yeah. <laughs> it's fucking lovely to see. It smells so nice. It's such a letdown. You're not a fan but of it. It smells lovely, but it tastes like fucking maggots. Like. <laughs> <laughs> it 
Elon Musk. It tastes like you'd imagine. Do you know actually? It tastes like you'd imagine tobacco. It tastes like tobacco. Actually, do you know what? That's that's a good shout. That's a good shout. Yeah, I've often thought that as well. She wants tobacco. I heard a story. No, just to eat. If you were taking a cigarette out of a box and eat, just melting into a marble life. That's what coffee to me tastes like. Fucking ridiculous. But there was a program on the radio about a couple of weeks ago about when you had this person here from this coffee company in town somewhere, and they were talking about the most expensive coffee you could buy. Mm. And it's uh, the, the coffee beans are, are, are out in Colombia somewhere. But what happens is the local cats <laughs> listen. Listen, the local cats come, eat them, and shit them out. And it's only after it's the they, they, they do, they actually have these cats that are, are on the, the plantation purely to eat the beans off the trees and shit them out, and that makes them taste so. Something like 10 euro for a couple of days. Hang on, hang on, hang on. They, you, they, they harvest the beans from the shit? Yes. No. Oh, they, sweet. They take the beans out of shit. Cat shit. Yeah. That's, that's and it's, it's the, I, it's I'm, the I'm most not, expensive coffee in the world. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think I'll just stick to the right. Just stuff. go with the stuff and get in the max out of that. Sorry, I don't know. Uh, uh, no, no, the catch it, no, 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 I'll just stick to the, whatever. The right. Are you sure? Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> Marco, give us, give us a shout and, and your, th- think of it, your thoughts about coffee. How do, how do you feel about it? Best drink well, ever? If, if, if people look at my Twitter bio, it starts with coffee. Okay. Um, <laughs> I don't have blood in my veins. I have coffee because I just I just love the stuff. Good I lad. am probably addicted. Okay, <laughs> would you would you ever chant one of those uh, catch it coffees? Do you think? <laughs> Dude, this is Africa. Anything is possible. Hey, <laughs> good man. Okay, I'm going to keep you on and ask you the the next question, which is from the wonderfully titled Hot Misunderstood Guy. This is going to be a good one for him. Uh, yeah. And he wants to know... No, no, I've got an answer. I've got an answer, actually. Excellent. What's the best burrito place in Dublin? Because, you know, you're in South <laughs> Africa. <laughs> you, you obviously, you're obviously very familiar with it. So, so having, having done some research, Yay. it's got a little ass for having such a cheeky name, right? Okay, okay, perfect. Little ass on Dawson Street. Yeah, would you agree, Andy? Uh, well, I've only ever had a burrito in two places. It's there and Pablo Picante's. Okay. And you couldn't, yeah, obviously, they're fucking delicious. You couldn't fault either. You couldn't yeah, fault you either. You split them, like. Have you ever been the Alamo? No, that's the that's only two places I've ever had a burrito. Okay, in yeah. Places. Quality in the Alamo, I have to say. Steve Daly, you, you, you've got thoughts on this, definitely. As a man who's partial to a burrito or two, or, yeah. I actually only had one for my dinner yesterday. Good man. Yeah, Il, Il Porco Loco is where I got it from. It's and a place in Stalorgan, very tasty, very tasty. They do uh, they do a range of salsas that you can have on your burrito. They also do the Americano, where they replace the rice with fries. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, see, I'm saying these lads have thought about stuff. But I've had a few. Um, there's a um, place, La Serena, um, out in Malahide, is, um, is, is very tasty as well. So, uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm partial to the area. <laughs> I can see he's after stealing Andy's mic. <laughs> he wants to do this so badly, he stole Andy's mic. Go for it. I can confirm El Porco Loco. And for the hottest sauce in Dublin, it's Crang's Revenge in El oh Porco Loco. My God. It's it fucking, tell you what, it was. Yeah, I swear to God, right, it goes in as hot as a comes out it's fucking phenomenal stuff right yeah. for a general run of the day meal best burrito in Dublin is Pablo Picante's without a shadow of a doubt right it's, it's filling it's everything right but for the, the if you want to go really hot it's El Porco Loco shout out sauce to me what's the sh- Krang's Revenge Revenge as in <laughs> as in Krang from Teenage Mutant as in yeah. Krang from Teenage Mutant I tell you what it, it feels like splinters after getting at your ass <laughs> I tell you what you cannot sit for a week after Krang's Revenge <laughs> ok next one's from Dave Thomas uh, um, uh, a man who's been on the show here a couple of times and Dave says you've just won the Oscar for acting uh, give us your speech obviously a, a condensed version of it anyone want to shout out their, their yeah. acting yeah, go for it James this is a reply to the- <laughs> <laughs> hey. go again man <coughs> yes it started in Valley Man with me and you <laughs> didn't I face you <laughs> at then in it when he cried into my face and says you weren't able to fight them all. Did <laughs> you fight again outside the door? Did you cry again and say you were bet me? Beg for your Donald and the health and the more. And there was about 30 people there at the time. Witnesses. 
Shall I leave it there? Yes. <laughs> Excellent, mate. Thank you very much. That's just not going to get top, so no. we'll just move on to the next one. <laughs> that is not getting top. All right, I have no idea what this next one is about, so fellas will need to help me out here. Uh, this is from Lost Dub, and he asks, who would you rather be? I don't know who these people are. Handy Manny or Baby Jake? I don't know what that's about. Um, I'd, I'd, I'd be worried about being Handy Manny because I actually don't think he's legal in, in America. <laughs> I think he's no green card. <laughs> <laughs> so, you'd be always worried about the boys coming down resting. So, what are we talking about here? What's the show? Yeah, Handy Manny, the, the, the whole expert. Okay. okay. Yeah, the yeah, so he has all these little hills to talk and all, just Felipe and Turner and all, all the screwdrivers and everything, and fucking signs at the end of the road break and he goes down and fixes them all. And but I, I don't actually think he's a, it's illegal over there. Um, you have to say that if it was going to be anyone, it'd be Baby Jake because. I'm the draft. <laughs> Next one, um, um, Paul Brennan, I, I, I have a feeling I know what's going to happen here uh, on this question, but I'm going to ask you anyway. This is from a fellow called Marco, uh, I don't know who he is, but anyway, he's asked a question, he says, basically, you have your own shark tank at home, like a Bond villain would have, right? So you can choose who goes in it. I'm not even going to read out Marco's suggestion, because I just know who you're going to put in it. Am I right? Let me see. Well, uh, I've made a little resolution to myself that I'm not going to answer all these questions, but Rio for Ah, balls. But just this one. <laughs> just this one more time. So so there's always about five <laughs> questions asked that you, I could answer with fucking Rio Ferdinand. I was hoping that was your answer to the burrito question. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I thought I'd go, on, go a different direction with this. And the one, one that's got me today is Tony Gale, who apparently oh, thinks, yeah. was it, uh, Townsend and... Uh, who, what, who, what's the striker he named that should, should be in the head of storage? Storage and Sterling shouldn't be, shouldn't be in the infant squad or something. Yeah. But uh, they were, uh, Andros Townsend and some other clowns. Like Tony Gale's, Tony Gale's in the tank. Like, oh, get in the fucking tank. <laughs> and he looks like a smug dolphin as well. <laughs> That's a genetic condition. All, 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 dol- all dolphins look smug. <laughs> Dolphins are assholes, apparently. I don't know if you've read that before. Well, I've, I've watched The Cove. If you haven't watched The Cove, go watch that and then come back to me tell me they're assholes. Oh, really? It's a very sad story. Okay. <laughs> Jesus, you are a glum bastard this evening. I'm just telling Steve-o, you, that's a really that. fucking sad story. Uh, Steve-o, st- stay, stay where you are. <laughs> Magnificent. Uh, <laughs> Marco, this is from Floyd Nundy, and Floyd asks, if you could murder one famous person and get away with it, who would it be? Uh... Justin Bieber, donations to my PayPal account, please. <laughs> Marco, Marco, there's already one South African on trial for, for murder. You want to leave it out, man? <laughs> oh, dear. Hashtag her name is Well played, well played. Daily's just be completely edited out. Uh, you Facing know? <laughs> no Steve on the show. Probably not even going to be in the intro. <laughs> Steve on Freepod. Uh, next one up is Paul. Paul uh, uh, asks... Looking back over the years, uh, what has been your greatest fashion faux pas? Now, we've all had one of these, surely. I remember I had some particularly nice uh, slacks in the 80s with a fleck through them that was just pretty disgusting. And the young Annie, anything sticking out there, Miles, that's, that was bad by you, or you always effortlessly classy? Dress good. Good lad, good lad. Anyone else? I, Floody? I had weak jeans. What did you? White, White jeans. jeans. <laughs> I'm, I'm genuinely still fucking upset about that. Yeah. <laughs> Woeful things. Mother of God, what was I thinking? Did they get repeated wearings? No. The knees were oh, dirty. Oh, the knees? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the other bad one I had was <laughs> me Debs. Uh, when I went to me Debs, I had an absolute horrific waistcoat. It was uh, Tartan. And a Tartan Dickie Bone. Oh, mother of God, what was I thinking? <laughs> okay. Okay, next question up is from Derek. Derek says, you're an actor. Who would you get to play your leading lady? I was trying to think about this myself. Uh, anyone, anyone got any shouts? Rachel Weiss. Rachel Weiss. The thing. Very nice. <laughs> Just leave it at that. Who would you say? Steve well, up? you'll get her then. <laughs> <laughs> Steve um, Probably Eva Mendes for me. Eva Mendes. Oh. Okay, uh, Marco. Um, Marianne Cotillard, she was in uh, Dark Knight Rises, she oh, was yeah, the bad yeah. girl. Yeah, very, very nice, very, very nice. Okay. Yeah. okay, for obvious reasons, I think. Next one up is from Lucy. Lucy says, if you could be a member of a successful rock or pop group, I presume a currently existing one, which one would you choose and what would you play in it? Well, 
I think I would just go into Arcade Fire because there's about 10,000 of the fuckers and they wouldn't notice me standing in the background. Um, anyone else got any shouts for there? Paul Brown, would you like to be in a band? Uh, mate, I'd probably join you two and disband them or something like that. <laughs> 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 Steve Daly, who are you going for? Um, I think probably just going to get a bit of condemn- condemnation. Uh, probably Coldplay. I'd oh. Like to, yeah, yeah, oh. yeah. I'm a big Coldplay fan. I'd, I'd play the drums. I do, I do play the drums, so I would, I would fancy myself to be halfway decent at that rather than trying to start playing the guitar. It would be unusual to get on stage with them and not be able to play the guitar and just pick one up. So you're straight up Coldplay fan, no problem. Yeah, no okay. problem. I'm okay with that. You're okay, I'm wearing, that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm wearing this shirt. I clearly don't mind what people think. <laughs> Next one's from Nick. <laughs> Nick is a bit of a Twitter Photoshop terrorist, as I know to my cost, and he says, <laughs> "Would you rather have your life commentated on by John Matson?" Or have Piers Morgan interview you every night? This is a, this is an interesting and this interesting. <laughs> That's the best question Do, I've ever heard. Would you Would you rather have your life commented on by John Matson or have Piers Morgan interview you every night? It's a fucking hellish choice. Does, does, does the commentary? Sorry, is that out loud? It's not just in your head, so it's like I think everyone can hear this shit. <laughs> I'm going with that. I'm going with that. That's, uh, that's an impossible question to answer. <laughs> it's like it's like who rather, you know, Roy Jarmag. <laughs> <laughs> it's really that extreme for you, Andy, isn't it? <laughs> well, if you ask me, I'm going Marty's commentary. Yeah, Jesus I'm Christ! I go John yeah, be doing with the other fucker. If, if, if you ended up having Pierce Morgan interview every night, you would kill a famous person. I think you would. <laughs> this is going to dark places. Kieran uh, at Nave Kieran, he asks, "What's worse, losing the title through a last-minute colo on goal?" Or a hot, wet, oily massage from Roy Hudson. Another fucking... Oh, my God. There we go. (laughs) There we go, Marco. It's up to you, fella. You know, last week you guys were talking about the devils come and whatnot. (laughs) (laughs) The devil has a nightmare. This is it. And I'm not talking about Colo's own goal. (laughs) Sorry. Marco, you're on the spot. You're on the spot. We're going to lose the league, or you you have to accept an oily massage from Roy. Come on, man. You're under pressure. Go for it. Uh, I'm taking Carlo. I'm, I'm hoping Paul Brennan walks in on top of this with Frankie. <laughs> Paul, come on, you must, you must have a shout on this. Uh, well, it's got, it's both both of them. They're both kind of tragic situations tinged with a bit of dark comedy, but uh, like I'm, I'm fairly desperate at this stage for Liverpool to win the league, so oh what, what, what sort of oil do you want to use, Roy? <laughs> <laughs> I'm the same, I'm up, I'm all, I'm all over that. Yeah. <laughs> okay, next one uh, is uh, we've got a few here from Gray. Uh, first one from Gray says, and he asks, What's the best sauce on a bacon buddy? It has to be ketchup, doesn't it? None. None. Why are brown sauce? Keep it real. Oh, make your, make the sambo about the bacon. You don't, you don't need no substitutes in there. Make the sandwich about the bacon. About <laughs> <laughs> the bacon. Yeah. Good bread, good bacon. Get it in your gut. What, what bread are you putting on? Louis Suarez, job done. <laughs> um, what bread? Yeah. Maybe oh, maybe a... Nice ciabatta. No, no, no. I might go for an old uh, Avoca bloomer, mixed seed with the sesame <laughs> seeds the and the poppy bloomer. seeds. Bloomer, yeah. And what you got to do is you got to cut the bloomer right down the middle so you get the two biggest slices and then you cut out from the middle on both sides so that the other people get smaller and smaller sandwiches <laughs> as it gets to the end. Do you know the best oh, thing about this is I know you didn't even prep that and you've just come up with it on the just spot. Just go down. Listen, that's exactly what I do. Now, the only... The, Listen, what you got to, you know, the best thing, you don't put sauce. What you do is you go up to Kyo's Butchers up at Kimmage Cross and you get some of their white pudding Milk. and you spread that, you spread that on the bread like butter. Just and spread it on. It's none of, that, none of that kind of kilty stuff that crumbles. It spreads on. Then you bang your bacon on. Boom. Boom. Job done. Job done. Suarez. Louis Suarez, job done. Okay, nice one. Next one up is from, uh, the last one from Gray and he says, if you accidentally bump into a car in a car park and there's a conscience test, do you leave a note? Yes. Leave a note that just says, lol. (laughs) (laughs) Right, last one is for everybody. We'll start with the two lads in the line. We'll start with you, Marco. Uh, This is from Moly, and Moly wants you to finish this sentence. He says, if Liverpool win the league, I will. 
uh, Marco. Oh, just run that past me again, didn't he? It's if Liverpool win the league, I will. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll be speechless. I'll be speechless. Nice one, James. Eat myself to death. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> I don't drink, so I just, you know, just, uh, just eat all my favourite things and just, you know, carry on until I'm done. Mr. Singer be a busy man. <laughs> Basically, yeah, yeah. I didn't want to put in another crass plug. We've had several already. Uh, Monday morning, 11 o'clock, I'll be there when the door's open. I'll still be there at 11 when they shut. Uh, Paul Brennan, if Liverpool win the league, you will. I honestly probably would take a week off work and drink myself into fucking oblivion, I'd say. Yeah. That sounds like, like, yeah. That's that's summertime and all, it'll probably be sunny, yeah. Sit down there, you know, a beer garden all fucking day, every day for a, for a week. Yeah, logical, logical. Floody. Cry. You will cry? Yeah, yeah. How long cry. will that last, mate? About 40 minutes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so you think that'll be your immediate reaction, honestly? Oh, definitely, yeah. We, we, well, we, 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 we Champions League or cried. Yeah. You know, like, uh, I cried watching Tangled. <laughs> we've established, we've established <laughs> your, your theory. I'm emotional and regular all day. I cried on Saturday after the sound game. I think you're tearing up there now. Adi. It's hard to know. Um, I mean, the closest so far like to really enjoy was the Champions League and when I was over there um, they didn't really get a chance to celebrate it properly because like it was straight onto a coach back to the airport it was a fucking disaster in the airport like people were just collapsed all over the shop so with, with the league like you know I'm going over for the last game anyway so I just God forbid I don't fucking know like I really would be very frightened for my own sake <laughs> <laughs> and everybody um, else but uh, but I just, I just like you know, it's just couldn't words couldn't describe how fucking happy I'd be. But it would I mean, after the Champions League, like it died down, and I was still driving around the estate. Like with a fucking Liverpool flag out the window, beating the <laughs> I was doing the same <laughs> shit. I was and doing the like same shit. If I seen anybody annoyed at yours, I was yeah, what? Guys, joined by bus stops and sticking fingers up, and just being, just being an asshole. Like so. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Phil Casey, what would you? You get a year out of it. Yeah. You would get a fucking year. Ridiculous. Every day, yeah. Go, Phil. I'd buy an Ali Sissoko jersey with the champions patches on the arms. <laughs> Oh, fucking brilliant. I wear it. I wear it. I wear it non-stop. Every fucking day. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look at big mad Kulji who wears his guy jersey all the time. I'd be wearing the, the Ali Sissoko. Steve Daly, if Liverpool win the league, I will finish the sentence for me, Chief. Take a picture of myself in the nip with a pair of women's tights over my knob and post it on the Day Trippers account. <laughs> oh, fucking yes. That is fantastic. That's what I'm telling you now. That is fan fucking. I'm telling you now. The only one compared to yours from the pod that won't get edited. That's compared to some of your shows. <laughs> what about you, Trev? Hmm? What would you do? Uh, let me see. Well, I'm kind of half famous for my facial hair, so I'll, I'll grow a Hitler mustache out and I'll wear it for a month. Nice. <laughs> Will you keep? Will you keep? Will, will you keep waving to people? Oh, no, no. I, here, I'm fucking saying it now. I'll wear later hosen as well. Nice. And a yes, fucking hit. Well, but I tell you what, if you do that, right? Yeah. If we win the league, you do that, and we get the picture together. Actually, if we get the picture together. That's the one fucked up picture. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> so let's begin with our assessment of a potentially significant three-point haul, which was Southampton nil, Liverpool three. Wasn't the easiest game to watch, at least until Sterling's goal changed it. There were uncomfortable moments of plenty, and luck was definitely on our side, but three points, um, three goals scored and none conceded, and a win on the road. So it feels like every game is massively significant now, but to move into second place at this point of the season has to be psychologically huge, does it not, uh, Andy Young? Uh, yeah, massive. Um, like Some people are starting to talk about titles. You know, can we talk about titles now? I think we should have the title talk. Um, it's it's a tall order, you know, four points behind with so little games left. Like we're bound to drop some points, but you know, to be talking about it even, it was just unimaginable before the season. Mm. So, have you found yourself beginning to have that chat with yourself or with other people? Um, yeah, like I like to say it, but you know, realistically, mm. you know, mm. it's a tall enough order. But I'm just absolutely delighted that. You know, top four is nearly, nearly guaranteed now. Would you say that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Very interesting. Because it's just like seven points have to be made up now. Mm. You know, and I just don't see Tottenham having a hundred percent record 
for the rest of the season and <laughs> us dropping enough points. You know, yeah. that around. You, you, you would hope so. Steve Daly, as a resident uh, realist stroke pessimist, do you feel that at this point the title tilt is actually a reality, a, a possibility? Um, yeah, I think possibility, yeah. Um, people are going on as though, you know, we're going to win the league. Mm-hmm. I know it was sung in jest after the game on uh, on Saturday. Um, I thought how many of those were joking, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, maybe not, maybe not, but then, you know, fair enough. But my, my opinion on it, and, and I've said it a couple of weeks ago, if we can get to the end of March, if we can get through the United game, the Sunderland game, and I'm trying to think who the other one, the Spurs game, actually, yeah. is the last game in March. If we get through them, we've effectively taking Spurs out of the equation for, for top four. Yeah. Right. And then it's all to play for. If we've if we've effectively guaranteed ourselves Champions League, whatever bit of pressure was on us nearly comes off us again. So it's less pressure with six games to go. Yeah. And that's that's the way I'm looking at it. For me, if we're still there three, four points, five points even left at the end of March with six games to go, then that's when I'll start. That's when I'll start talking about us being really in with a shout because the next couple of games after that coming up or, or the two of the next three, I think, are, are Chelsea and City. I can't be certain on that in terms of in my head where the fixtures are at, but they're quite close after that. Yeah. And, and they're the games. So, you know, if we want to win the league, we have to beat those teams. But we have to still be in, it with, uh, you know, in a position to do it at the end of March for me to start thinking, yeah. Where some people are now, I think I'll be there. You'll the be there at that stage, yeah. <laughs> Um, Paul, what do you think? Uh, would you be inclined to agree that uh, this shout is it, it's possible? Yeah, it's definitely possible. Yeah, like you have to say that when you're only four points off. Like um, the the games are kind of the games are kind of running out like first. But and I think, I think the game against Chelsea would be massive because I can't see them dropping many points at all with Mourinho. And the like, their the win they got against Everton just kind of that that looked real kind of ominous stuff like there. Like they they really ground that one out, so um, yeah, it's definitely possible. I, I like like stay. I was saying kind of end of March, start mm. of April. I'll see where we are. But I'd like, I have to say that kind of the run we've been on recently. Maybe uh, sometimes I do get a bit carried away and say, yeah, yeah, we're fucking winning. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, like it's it's hard not to like. Yeah, well, you have to as a fan kind of let yourself go a bit sometimes. Like. Like we've been a bit, like we've, we've had a, a tough few years. Well, that's just it, Paul. Listen, I think I think an awful lot of people are getting on that bandwagon because, look, Jesus, it's nice to actually be positive for once. Like, cause we've had so much bloody misery, haven't we? Like, I mean, you can forgive people for letting go, but can't. You? Yeah, definitely. What's the What's the point in being a fan if you can't really when yeah. we're, when you get into a position like this, especially after like like a, like Andy said, it was inconceivable. Like uh, even in the last couple of years, thinking that we'd be challenging for the title. So when yeah. it does happen, you have to enjoy it. Like yeah, you have to say, say kind of, well, what's happened here? What if like hmm. like it could happen? So sure. Um, Damien Flood rounded out then by telling us what, what do you think. Uh, this is a, a, a real realistic option enough for us to be champions at the end of the year. I said it to a few of the boys last week that this Hampton game for me was one that was a massive crossroad game. That's right, yeah, I'd be saying it. Was, I felt after Saturday, if we could get a result there, there was something on. Um, I, I, I remember kind of back around, it was in 97, 98, we, we had a real crossroad game and it was Coventry City away mm. on a Wednesday night summer, and we ended up losing it. That was a real kind of crossroads of that season. And we never really caught up after that. I, I just feel our tails are up right now. I think Chelsea, I expect them to get through the next uh, Champions League game. Mm. City might not, uh, not are going to struggle out there, but like, they're not over just yet. The longer they stay in that competition, the better uh, for, for, for all of us concerned. But like, we've got 10 games now that we can we can take one by one. Um, and like Chelsea play Arsenal, I think, in, or uh, the Spurs are Arsenal in the next game, is it? At home. They have a tough Spurs. home game. The Spurs are home. If Sports could get anything out of that game, anything at all, and we win our next league game, we're only two points behind them. They still have to come to us. So it's it's not inconceivable that that we can't win it. it it's yeah. def- it, in my opinion, we're still on. Yeah. We're still on. Yeah. And I, I was waiting until after the Southampton game because that was the crossroads game for me. And the fact we've got through it and got... I know it wasn't comfortable for the first half, but when you look at the end of the game, we were efficient. And we got a result. And like it wasn't just a, a 1-0 away scrappy win. Like We ended up 3-0. And like, that's sending out signs to other teams. Like, we're, we're willing to score. We're going to score against you. And, yeah. and that, that kind of gets into other teams' heads a little bit. Yeah. We, we keep, United have done it for years. They could just always keep picking up results. Um, I think we, some of us are a little bit in the back of our minds thinking we can fuck up here at any time because that's where it's been for 20-odd for mm. years. But 
Maybe this year is different. I Maybe do think that there's some magic in the air. James Owen, James Owen, do you tend to think that psychologically we have that advantage at the moment, perhaps, that we never had before? I know, I know we're ahead of where we were in the, uh, in the last title-challenging season that we had in terms of points on the board at this stage. Do I think that's a psychological advantage? Yeah, or? that and, and, and lots of other stuff that seems to be coming together at the moment. Um, well, you know, momentum is a kind of a vague concept, isn't it? And, you know, some people, um, I don't know if anyone reads the Tomkins Times, but there's been stuff on there where they study, you know, results and statistics exhaustively and they don't really think momentum is kind of, uh, is, um, is, is, they think it's a fallacy. But I don't know. I mean, the, the, the spirit at the moment has got to be very good. I mean, from our point of view, because of the fact that we're really under, not under any pressure. You know, our target for this season was, you know, I mean, I don't know about the rest of you. I, I didn't expect us to even finish in the top four this season. I thought we'd finish fifth or sixth. And I thought if we can challenge in the top four, that represents progress. Because we didn't actually do that last year. So I think the position we're in is one where we're really under no pressure. And we think, well, anything's possible. And if we, you know, if we finish, we wouldn't be devastated if we finish fourth. But we're probably now at the stage where we think, well, you know, if we, we, we finish third, that would obviously be, that would be a massive achievement for us. Just to, even to, to, to get ahead of Arsenal. Mm. Um, but, you know, there's ten games left. If, 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 it, it, it's at that stage of the season where um, it, it, it's a bit like being mid-table in the championship at the moment and, and having a go at the playoffs. You know, a, a good run of form can take you anywhere. Yeah. Uh, and you know, from our point of view, really, we've we've got seven games, most of which we would be favourites for. United are probably the one exception, but I mean, they're, they're very vulnerable at the moment. Um, and then, if most of those games go to you know, follow the odds, and the odds would be in our favour in most of those games. And we can actually get, you know, put in three big performances and the luck is with us on the day against Tottenham, uh, because that's one of the tougher home games, uh, and against Chelsea and against City. You never know. I mean, you look at Chelsea's fixtures in terms of actually winning it. Chelsea's fixtures look relatively favourable um, and they're, they're very good at setting up for these big games with Mourinho. But um, I mean, I'm, I'm just delighted to be where we are. If we don't really sustain the challenge, I'm not going to be devastated because at this point we'd have to drop the ball in quite a big way to not finish in the top four. Yeah, well, that, that seems. Yeah, that's, yeah, that seems to be very much a thing that we we, we are we are at least um, mm. almost confident of that. Let's stick, um, let's let's get into yeah. some specifics, James. Since we have you on the line there, and let's think about yeah. Brendan and, and how things went there specifically. A lot of big calls from him, uh, dropping Sterling and then bringing him in when he did. Um, the midfield set up the diamond, all the rest. But let's start with that and, and, and how you felt that worked. Uh, uh, this much wanted diamond that, that he spoke about at length afterwards. How, yeah. how did you feel that worked? Well, I mean, I think that in terms of the the approach we took, I think the key to it is in what Gerard said in his interview after the game, where he said, you know, the idea really was. I mean, he, he didn't say it, but it was implicit. You know, pack the midfield. I mean, you can take that as red when a team sets up with basically what is you know in one configuration another four central midfielders, and then go long to find the two strikers because they're going to be against the team who will push the fullbacks on home. They're going to be two versus two. And that was, and in that respect, it worked perfectly. We didn't dominate possession. None of the midfielders, none of the four central midfielders really kind of had a, a big impact on the game, particularly in the first half. And, you know, Coutinho was probably the one you, who you would think could, but he, he just didn't have a particularly good game. And obviously, you know, as to whether or not it was a, a you know, right or wrong to, to drop Sterling or not, I mean, I'll come to that. But, I mean, in terms of the midfield... What what did work beautifully for us is the fact that um, what what Gerard talked about going along and finding the strikers that worked flawlessly because not only did it lead to the throw which ultimately led to the goal it also led to our two other really good chances first up finding the strikers in the channels and then they cut in onto their better feet and it happened with Sturridge early on where he nearly set Suarez up and it happened where he set Suarez up for the shot that Boric saved um, and that was what got us into the lead in the first half you know we defended relatively well. You know, none of the midfielders individually did that brilliantly in the first half. But I mean, a lot of people were quite worried at half time, and um, I, I've got to say, I, I wasn't. To be honest, I was I was relatively sort of. Uh, oh, they'd had a couple of good chances, but no, I thought um, I thought we'd done pretty well. You know, to, you're going to concede some chances, but I mean, as to Sterling and Coutinho, um, in, you know, two games in a row now, Rogers has made two decisive substitutions. Uh, it's not just that Sterling, I mean, obviously the most important thing, Sterling comes on and he scores inside 80 seconds for the touch. But he was shown for the ball much better than Coutinho as well. No, no I mean, I, 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 if he's putting in Victor Moses instead of Sterling, then yeah, that would be a bizarre decision. But putting Coutinho in instead of Sterling, no, I, w I wouldn't say so. And I mean, and I, as I said, I was never too apprehensive about this game compared to a lot of people because I always thought the option was going to be there for us. We've got two world-class strikers. We thought we always had the option of getting the ball to them long. And, and getting at Southampton, not on kind of runaway counter-attacks, but just isolating them where they're, they're light on numbers. And as Gerard said, at the, you know, after the game, 
you want to play two against two versus Suarez and Sturridge, well, you know, all the best to you. And, yeah. and that, that, that worked flawlessly, to be honest. Absolutely. Um, Marco Lopez, could we bring you in here on this discussion here? How did you feel Joe Allen went um, in, in the midfield, Diamond, and, and how did you feel that system worked overall? No, I was pretty happy with Joe. I thought that Joe added a lot of the, the helped add the, the, the compactness that we needed in, in the game and, and made things pretty pretty evened up and tight uh, in terms of obviously trying to load the midfield in, in the way that we needed to because we needed, I don't know if you guys have mentioned it already, but I thought that one of the really clever things that uh, that, that Brendan, Brendan obviously wanted Southampton to do was try and force them wide and, and, and not be able to attack through the middle like they like to do. It doesn't mean that that, um, that we we got all the joy we wanted because they still got some very good chances going forward. But I thought I thought Alan was okay. I think he 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 and Henderson linked up really well in trying to 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 crowd that midfield area. So Schneiderlin and Cork didn't get as much joy as they normally would like. So um, I, I thought he kept it pretty neat and tidy, and it was very combative in the midfield, which was great because it forced them to go wide uh, a lot more often than I think they expected to, at least. Speak to me about um, about Coutinho and about Sterling, and more to the point, the the idea of taking Sterling out of it so that he could be introduced, which had, let's be honest, a remarkable effect on the game. Does that immediate impact justify leaving him out in the first place? The idea of a strong bench. Yeah, I'd say so because I think Phil Coutinho is it's it's a strange situation with with Coutinho because I don't I don't really think Coutinho is a ten. Um, he's an Iniesta style eight. He's he works superbly in a four three three and and especially one where he's deeper lying. So um, I, I have to be honest. When the team sheet came out, I was a bit disappointed that that Coutinho was starting. I, I really thought that that Sterling's energy would be great. I was very happy that Allen was starting. Yeah. So I think I think the way that that set up. Um, I just I just felt that that Coutinho didn't didn't manage to the, the the problem is if if Brendan obviously Brendan had intended to play the diamond formation uh, before the game because it, it was going to add some advantages in enforcing Southampton wide but you know I, I can understand his pattern of thought he's probably sitting there thinking I've got to play a diamond I've got to have someone at the top of that diamond it can't really be Sterling because you know he's never done it before. Yeah. And Sterling ended up doing doing a makeshift role there pretty well when he came on. So, yeah, I think Phil, he also looks a bit tired to me. I don't know if you guys agree, but he he looks like he, he, he needs maybe a one game's break or something. Um, maybe this uh, this international break will give him a chance to rest up a bit. Yeah, perhaps. Perhaps it's a good shout. Um, Steve Daly, uh, in re- with regards to the, the tactical battle, much was made of Pochettino versus uh, Brendan and how he was outsmarted by, by Pochettino in the past. It, is it just a bit smug um, and, and, and revisionist to say that he won the battle today, uh, the last day, or do you think that Brendan did actually come out on top in that, tactically speaking? Um, personally, I think the, the talk of how successful the diamond was is a little bit overplayed. Yeah. You know, uh, my thinking on it is we were one nil up at half time, but it's probably a lucky one nil in a sense. Maybe lucky is harsh, but it could have quite easily it could have quite easily been you know it could have been two one to them in a sense. You know what I mean? We've hit the we've hit the post. We've um, you know uh, Minule has made an absolute fucking class save um, as well. And you know we could have gone in two one down there. The game's completely different. We didn't. Um, but I don't. I think Lana got his run on Gerrard so many times. I think the diamond afforded Luke Shaw so much time and space on the ball to whip in cross after cross. They they were able to to target Johnson at, at left back, and you know, you know, tried their best to make bits of him, and he helped them as much as he could. Um, I felt, and um, you know, had it been another day where Ricky Lambert got you know a little bit better service, or or Jay Rodriguez got in behind. We could have been talking about a completely different game. I know it's all hypothetical, but I think personally the the amount of hype I've heard since Saturday about how good the how good the diamond is and and how how well it worked, I think is a little bit overplayed. Yeah, uh, Phil Casey, you want to say something about this? Yeah, just on on coming back to the diamond and and what went down with it. Like I say, I, I actually tweeted from 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 the account at half time that that was the scaldiest half that I could remember that we played all season. And we went in at 1-0. And we've gone in in other games where we've been, you know, we've conceded two like against Villa and stuff like that, where the performance wasn't actually that good for the first half. Um, I, I thought we, it, if it had the early goal 
gave a, a great fill up to us, but we seemed to f- fall off a wee bit in terms of intensity that we had. Um, let, um, sort of said to our defence, right, you go and defend this lead now for as long as possible. And the way our defence has been playing, it was hardly the most inspiring or confident thing to do. Now it worked. As I said we we got away with it. We had the the, the chance that came off the post, but we weren't. I, I I don't think there was a single one of us that wasn't relieved to get in at half time and be one nil up because it was it was it was. It genuinely was the, the scaldiest um, game at first half I can remember. I, I, like I was fucking shitting bricks like going through for about 25 minutes of that first half. Two, two, two things, two things. Well, I have you there. First of all, you're going to need to explain scaldy for our non Dublin listeners. <laughs> What's that? What's scaldy? Okay. There was lots of shit things that we got away with. We got away with, with, with the 1-0 at half-time, and that's, that's a huge thing. There's, there's been times where we, we've deserved to be in, in the lead against teams. There's been times where we've been behind teams because we haven't played well. So I'm saying it, it's a scaldy half. It's, it's, it's a 1-0 that you're just happy to get in at, and you, you can build on it from there with the lead in, in your back pocket. Well, desperately trying to stay to the agenda, then talk to me about uh, the role of, of, of Brendan Rodgers in this uh, scaldy first half and the, the deliberate change of system, which he said he practised all week with this diamond in an attempt to counteract Southampton, uh, should he have tinkered or should he have just left it? I mean, we saw what happened when, when Sterling came on. Well, I, I, look, I, I don't mind Brendan trying things out because he, he, he's tried a number of different things against Southampton in the last couple of games and none of them came off. So he went with the diamond in this instance and it came off. Yeah. Now, you, you can't turn around after the event where we won the game and said it was a, a stupid idea. But it, like, let's be honest about it. The first half would hardly be an indictment to use the diamond on a, on a regular basis. I, and I, I think, I think we, we, we gave up the wings and we left ourselves very open down the flanks, which is what Southampton exploited. Southampton could have had two or three goals before half-time. And let's not cut ourselves. They could have had two or three goals. Yeah, yeah. Um, and really, you know, it, it, we saw that, although we were trying to play a diamond, Allen and Henderson spent an awful lot of time playing as more traditional flankers and leaving Gerrard then to try to pick up both Cork, who was coming on, Schnordlin, if and anyone else who was supporting Lana, or Rodriguez dropping into that space to double team. And, and that's why we were under so much pressure for, for 25, 30 minutes in the first half. Yeah, Andy Young, you're not a fan of the Donald. Uh, no, and I'm not sure how much I agree with Marco there saying uh, Rogers is purposely forcing them wide. Um, I think it'd be a bold move for Rogers to force any team wide against Liverpool, is where we're most vulnerable for whipping balls in and trying to expose uh, Johnson and Flanagan one-on-one like it's just suicide. Liverpool are best when they're turning over the play in the middle of the park. If anything, you want teams to play down through the middle and win them win the, in the middle. And ha- if you have Coutinho there, you just get the ball forward quick or Jared and pick out a pass. So, no no way. I mean, it's not, it's not a huge tactical victory. Okay, they won the game, but certainly wouldn't like to see that going forward too much. Um, Liverpool could have been in big trouble at half-time. First 20 minutes, like, credit to Southampton. They kept going at what they were doing. I thought, like, any minute we could have put a ball over the top and got in behind them because there was so much space, like the high line they played. But they stuck at it, and they were very unlucky not to have something, not to have a lead at halftime. Yeah. Uh, last point on 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 Brendan, I suppose, in, in from the manager's perspective, uh, there was a bit of a chat going around uh, earlier on about um, Brendan's media work, and uh, I think a little bit unfair stuff being said about how he still likes to gab a bit much. Uh, in my own personal opinion, the man's Sorry. really really come on a lot. Sorry, Trev, just one thing before we go on to the media part, right? Yeah. We, we've been critical of Brendan's in-game management um, throughout the season, right? And I think over the last couple of weeks, <coughs> since we're talking about that he was actually, he, he, his in-game management on, on Saturday was exceptional. When the substitution he did make by bringing Sterling in changed the way we were playing and the way we approached the game. It was done at the right time in the actual game. It was something that we talked about. We had an option off the bench, which is something that at other times of the season we haven't had. Um, and it gives him selection headaches in terms of who he's going to pick. And you've got to commend him for using the substitution the way sure, he does. Sure, Phil. He done it earlier than he normally yeah, well, well, yeah. that, that is That is the point I was making earlier on, is that you know the fact that Sterling was there to be introduced you could say that that worked and that that you know that that was the impact sub and and that was Brendan's setup but similarly you could argue that if starting had started the game could have gone completely different yeah i know but what, what i'm i'm just i'm just expounding the fact that we've criticized his in game management he recognized an issue that was in the team mm. and he addressed it earlier than he has in previous games and he should be commended for that because that's that's another growth in in Brendan as a manager himself it happened, it happened straight after Coutinho losing the ball as well he turned around pretty much straight away and says mom but that, that's yeah. what I was going to say. But the, the way the diamond worked with Coutinho playing in there, that suits Snurdling down to the ground because he wants to stand you up. You want to try to take him on. He's going to do it. What Sterling Dominey come on is 
he ran off Schnorderland. Schnorder doesn't want to track you because like, that's a horrible role to do. Yeah. But where Coutinho was getting and he was trying to take Schnorderland on, that suited Schnorderland down because he was a big fucking rangy lad and he was putting challenges in. Yeah. Where when Sterling got it, if you notice his goal, it's just his movement that does Schnorderland. It's not really what he does on the ball, it's his movement. And Schnorderland just can't keep up with him. Where Coutinho wants it to feet and he wants to try to take him and dribble past him. That's suited Schnorderland. That, that's where Greg was breaking down with, with yeah. Coutinho. I, I think the system would have probably worked perfectly with Sterling in there. It may, it may not though. Like, it's hard. You, um, for now, and like I say, just to finish out with this thing about uh, looking at the manager <coughs> specifically, um, Paul Brown, do you think it's fair to say that, that Brendan Rodgers is a man who's learned uh, his lessons about talking too much in me? I was looking at the Sky interview afterwards and they were desperately trying to get him to, to commit to, yeah, yeah, we're going to win the league and, and come on, all Kevin Keegan. But he, he just straight battled it. He, was, he, was, he almost laughed at them and dismissed it. And one game at a time mantra, it's, it's good to see, isn't it? Yeah, basically, I think I think he just said that it was kind of the fans' job to kind of get excited about the stuff like sure. that. So, like, yeah, and he's dead right. Like, there's no point in there. Uh because he came out a few times and said that he was, we were challenging for the title, and like there was some poor results after it. And then yeah, he had like then there was another time he came out and kind of said, "No, I never said that that we were challenging for the title." And you were kind of sitting there, well, well, you did say it, so yeah. And um, so yeah, it was it's nice to just see him kind of like not getting too excited or anything like that. He, like you said, he stood just straight battled the, the sky questions. Or they were obviously trying to. Like trying to get the quotes out and get get a headline out, but mm. it wasn't having any of it. So yeah, absolutely. Well, well, let's start moving our way through the through the team then. Um, I suppose we start with, and have a look at the defence, which came in for uh, a lot of criticism from some quarters, and a lot of people thought they were very very good. Um, first thing is same back four now. Um, I've heard a lot of reports about how Agar and Scarlett did wonderfully together as a pair. Uh, personally, that didn't come over to me. Um, I, I found it all a bit shaky. I think we always look shaky on crosses. But um, James Owens, how did you feel the two guys did uh, for the second game in a row together? A lot better than they were against Swansea. I thought they. Um, I mean, my impression first half was that they, they did pretty well without kind of without looking like absolute world beaters because they're not. Um, I think second half, generally everyone was a bit better. I thought defensively we were possibly a bit more proactive in the in the second half, if anything. But I mean, um, they are what they are. You know, they're, they're both capable of having very good games. They just don't really do it consistently. Um, you know, Aga was probably the more impressive of the two. And I mean, Skirtle has at times this season, you know, had had games where he's looked excellent. Um, I mean, my my feeling going into this game was that you're probably going to get a slightly more um, alert mentality in a way defensively because, you know, we've we've been to Southampton once and lost. Everybody knows on paper it's quite a difficult fixture going away to Southampton. And I think there's probably been times where we've become that good at home. we've We've become that good at just, you know, taking a stick to teams that, you know, maybe we're we're just not as switched on. Um, defensively, it's, it's kind of it's a it's a hard thing to quantify. It's a hard thing to do to kind of get yourself up for what you could face in the same way. Then I think you know probably you know, look, they've, they've been found wanting in difficult games before. You know, plenty of times, both of them. But I think you know on the day they they did they did relatively well. I mean, they, they posed some problems with you know their movement in the first half, Southampton, and um, I think the wide areas were their greater outlets, probably because of the system we played. And I think they tried to focus a lot down the left early on. And Shaw was impressive, and he created one of their best chances as the, as the half went on. But actually, they had a spell where they did a lot with balls coming in from the right, where they kind of seemed to figure out, well, we can use both sides here rather than, say, just trying to get a Flanagan. And if anything, they got better in the game, Southampton, when they started having to go as more down the right. But, I mean, no, I think the centre-backs, they, they didn't really do a lot wrong. And Yeah, they, they, they did well, but, I mean, it doesn't really mean a lot because they're, they're, they're both capable of being... You know, poor in the next game. That's what they are. Nothing, not going to change now. They're both twenty-nine. Yeah, yeah. Fair uh, enough. Fair well, enough. In one game, basically. Um, yeah, that, that's that's. I think that's that's fair. Shout, Marco Lopez. Would you agree? Are these our best pair? Or seeing as we have Sacco fit now, is that a man who should be knocking on the door? How would you feel about that for the 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 the, the, the run? Yeah, I think I think if you're gonna ask if if uh, if someone's gonna ask me to defend Martin Skrittle or say anything positive about Martin Martin Skrittle, they're gonna wait a while. <laughs> oh, all right, okay, very good. <laughs> Listen, guys, I'm sorry. You know, you, you guys are talking about luck earlier. I'll, I'll tell you what. The only thing that I fear more than a beach ball is Martin Skrittle's head. So, <laughs> <laughs> fifty pounds piece. Look, look. I, okay, so I, I I'm not I, I'm not too upset with the way they played, and I think that Agar. 
in particular started showing more of himself because his form has been mixed and he and, and he started I think when Agger plays well he makes Skirtle a lot better because Skirtle generally benefits from from a good partner and that's why uh, to a large extent when when Skirtle and Sarko had an extended run the the team seemed to play pretty well because Sarko complements uh, much of what uh, Skirtle lacks Sarko's a lot more aggressive he's a lot more proactive he anticipates better and of course, he's he's actually got some muscle that that, that he puts to good use. Um, I, you know, in a way, I wish I wish one of the, one of Sarko or Aga was was a really good right centre back because there's obviously the issue that they're both left centre backs and therefore they 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 can't really play together unless unless you know Brendan makes an experiment um, because it's pretty obvious those are the two best centre backs we have. Yeah. Um, What's challenging is that you know if if Agger continues to improve his form, then unless I, I'm worried that Brendan may not necessarily choose Sarko to come in in the games that he should. For example, I think Sarko should play against the Manx because pretty obviously um, David Moyes is going to be quite insistent on on crossing, crossing, um, which means that uh, we need we need someone who's going to be a bit more aggressive at, at heading the ball, and sure. Sarko's a lot better at that. Sure, sure, that's a very good chance. Uh Andy Young, Andy Young, I know that you have seriously strong ideas about right centre backs and left centre backs because I heard you say something about this earlier on. Talk to me about that and about partnerships and who um, you'd like to see finish the season. Now. Okay, so what I just like to. What I always want to see at the back is is the same back for all the time. It's just not possible this season because of the injuries we've had, and it's <laughs> the room. it just the so room. happens that the room is on. <laughs> it just so happens when we've uh, we've had we've kind of struck up a partnership, whether it be Torre or whoever, with the same players playing a couple of games in a row. We've had our clean sheets and uh, the bit of solidity. So. Yeah, I just hate. I, I I don't know what our what the fuck it is this season. I just sick of here, and it's like it's fucking ringing in my ear. Left centre back, right centre back. <laughs> right. The old fashioned football kind of fan in my head is just saying, "Fuck off and just play where you're put." You know, whether you're on your left foot, your right foot, you're a professional footballer, and I know players have preferences of where they like to play but just seriously get on with it ok look uh, I know everyone's going to be kind of uh, chomping at the bit to get at this <laughs> I'm really happy I'm introducing this topic now and there's a lot missing Glenn Johnson <laughs> talk to me about Glenn Johnson talk to me about Glenn Johnson who wants to talk to me about Glenn Johnson Paul Brennan wants to talk to me about Glenn Johnson I'll do it I thought he was ok yeah ok yeah. brilliant brilliant I, I, that's I, I, a good yeah, start yeah. positive uh, yeah I don't think he was. He didn't do really do that much on the ball, but defensively, I thought he was okay. He had a couple of flat-footed moments, like but like I, I don't think the defense was offered much protection at all. Okay. I don't think for the first hour, I don't think Gerard really had a handle on the space in front of them. They had like they had Lalana coming running past Gerard. They had Rodriguez dropping in just behind Gerard, and he wasn't really covering it. But um, yeah, I think I think the most of the defenders were fairly good. I'd say Agar was the best out of them, but yeah, I thought I thought Johnson did okay. And did you think he improved his game at all, or did you just think he was solid for it? I think he was better than he was against Swansea. He's still nothing like the player he was like when he was when he was like playing really well for us. But I thought I thought he was okay. Yeah, where's that guy gone? The 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 the, the rampaging uh, half winger. I'm I'm not sure. Like we've we've spoken about this before. It could be a, a competition issue, or um, I don't. I'm not really sure. I'm not sure that he's ever going to get back that well. I think he looks like he's lost a bit of his pace. Yeah. And uh, what's going to admit, it just looks like someone who could probably deal with like a, a change in his career. Probably move on, maybe. Possibly. D- Damien Flo, do you think he's going to see out the season now, now that he's in situ? And if so, are you happy about that, Phil? I completely disagree with what, what Paul was saying. I thought he was fucking abysmal in the first half. Quite good. Fucking abysmal. I was sitting on the fence over here. Uh, he, like, there were so many crosses coming from his side in the first half, and, yeah. get, and kind of the, the same arguments have always been thrown him. He doesn't close down the cross. Now, luckily enough. Agar and Skirtle dealt with most of them. I don't know, Lambert seemed to have an off day mm. or whatever it was. He, he wasn't at the races. Uh, but he let an awful lot come into the game. Now, in the second half, I have to say, Johnson did come into it a lot better. He was a little bit more solid in the tackle. He was he was, he was closing down things a little bit quicker. Um, but the, the first half, I thought he was just as usual kind of rocky self that he has been for the last while. Yeah. Um, is he going to see out the rest of the season? Maybe. I think if he does, I think City or Chelsea may hurt us in that area. Um, where Sissoko 
he, he's not he's not a world beater, but he's a defender. Mm-hmm. Um, and and as I've always said, I've said a hundred times, that's what defenders are paid to do is defend. Get anything else to have the pitch as a bonus. Um, mm-hmm. And and sometimes Johnson, although it looks great and he bombs on, he gets a cross in or he sets something up. You might let something go in air half or in air box. Like the, the previous week, the, the, you could nearly attribute two or three mistakes that the Swansea scored from. Hmm. I, I'm still not. I've never been a greatest fan of Glenn Johnson. I know he had a good season last season, but I've never been a massive fan of him as a defender. Look, we, we we've we've done the Johnson thing to death when, when we've talked about him. He's done. He did better. Let's hope that it's it's an uptake in form. It is a second game back. You know, there's all these things that are going in, and and maybe he is finding his feet. I just thought first half, like he he was going backwards all the time. He when he was on the ball going forward, he was losing the ball. But it, look, he picks it up the second half. We get the three points. One thing I've noticed when we're talking to that tonight, you know, the, you know, there's, there's an air. There was an air of. Um, Elation over the result, an air of delight as to what we could achieve in this season, right? And let's not let's not forget about it. We put picked up three points in St Mary's, um, where we where we struggled last season, where we struggled at home this season to, to get a win out of. And regardless of individuals' performances, the points on the board were all the fucking matter on Saturday. Stephen Daly said it himself. He didn't give a shit what the performances looked like once we were putting the, the three points on the board week in week out. And for me. Yes, there, there's issues in there, but if we keep picking up the three points from now to the end of the season, we're going to be jumping around like fucking spring bunnies at the end of May, going, happy bleeding days, we've got the fucking league title in the bag, and God knows what can happen next year. We might win the Champions League at this rate. Jesus. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <Sarah> Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> How does this happen? <laughs> okay. Uh, right, well, uh, I was going to see if we could just finish out the back four, but like, <laughs> I think you've put a... Fuck the back four. <laughs> we won. We kept a clean sheet, right? It's uh, not, it's, it was not ideal, but fuck it. Look, we, we won. I was, I was quite days. relieved to see a, a half-decent performance out of Johnson, just as a sort of somewhere to start. Yeah. Getting back to where he was. For a player who was so exposed throughout the game, a lot of the times... You know, there was two players on top of him. I thought he done reasonably well. Yeah. You know, across the back, I thought we done reasonably well. Okay. Well, just kind of segue into the midfielder and talk to me about Coutinho and talk to me about whether that performance by him on the day is a sign of a guy who's a streaky player and is going to continue to be a streaky player or a guy who was trying to fit into a system that does not work for him as a player. No, I, I don't buy the, the, the system doesn't work for him as a player. Okay. He, he was... Incapable of, of or incapable, should I say? Uncapable. Yeah, you should say. I should say, because <laughs> that would be an actual word. Uh, no, but uh, he, he was he was incapable of finding feet a lot of the time. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm not even talking about him looking for the killer ball, the the, the great little pass that we know he can play. Mm. Just simple passes were, were not going right, and we've seen that a few times this season. And I I just feel that. I don't know whether it's whether it's the away from home side of things, what it is, but he seems to be game on, game off at the moment. Hmm. And I think we should be, I said it earlier tonight, I think we should be leaving him out for, for more away games than we are at present. If we're going to try and play a slightly different way, then maybe Gerrard, Allen and Henderson is the answer with Sterling. Marco Lopez, the, man, uh, the men that, uh, that um, little Phil is trying to link to on a regular basis are two incredible strikers. Um, Two more impressive performances, I think you could agree. Um, we've been saying on this pod for a while that uh, Suarez's um, comparative lack of goals is important because he was playing so well. Um, now that he's back scoring, uh, this guy could lead us to the title, couldn't he? Absolutely. Absolutely. I've, I've said a million times about Suarez that um, his brains are in his feet and that's kind of also to discredit how, how good his temperament has been this season. Um, it's well, what I love about the guy is that you know every single week lately he's just obsessed to get the team its desired result. Um, you know he's 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 playing a lot less selfishly than he has in the last couple of seasons, and and I think at this stage the only thing he hasn't really done yet, apart from obviously lead lead the team to a trophy, which if 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 by well I mean a major trophy obviously he won the Carling Cup a couple of seasons back, if. If he could somehow lead the team to the Champions League and the Premier League title, it, you know, it would be it would be astounding. I, th- I think the guy deserves to see, you know, the the stage of the Champions League because he he needs the right kind of competition to 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 test himself against. Because I think a lot of these defenders that he's playing in week in week out, they're getting sick and tired of being turned by him and, and just completely bamboozled. Um, you've got exceptionally good centre-backs in this league that are just looking ridiculously stupid because of how good his footwork is. And, yeah. and, that's, and that's when he's got the ball, uh, you know, keeping the ball by himself, when he's passing the ball. 
Um, this is a guy. We've got a guy here who is top of the scorers charts and he's top of the assist charts. Um, that's crazy. They don't players like that don't come along very often, and and I don't think even we understand how good this guy could be. Then he'll he'll become as big as Kenny and Gerard. I have no doubt about it. Big sad. Yeah, it, look, it's like like uh, Marco was saying. It's, it's just it's just phenomenal to have that player in your team. And I think when we look back in this season, if we don't have some level of success. It, the season will be a bit of a failure to think that you had two strikers click so well and score so many goals and not fucking win something. Or yeah. Get into, you know, the see like it, this is our best chance ever. You you just couldn't imagine Suarez and and uh, Storage having that sort of a season, season on season. Do you know what I mean? Like it's fucking incredible. Hmm. Like really is. So we need to make hay when the sun shines. What you're saying, basically, we need we, yeah, need, to, we need to get like, something back. That's, that's why I, I hate to hear people kind of completely write us off. Like at this stage. Yeah. But anyway, uh, getting back to Suarez. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> that was a dig at you, Steve. Negative Nigel, Stephen Daly. Come on, we put him in the dark, and he's just in a dark place tonight. <laughs> he's actually hiding behind the curtain there. That's a um, In world football, I don't think there's a player that can react quicker to a breaking ball. In any in any league, even Messi and Ronaldo, he has this technique or this uh, this sort of sense as to where the ball is going to go. Even look at the goal; it, it pings off a Southampton player off the, the knees. I can't remember which which centre back it was, and all of a sudden he's there. First, he's in for a first time finish. He, he's in. It's yeah. like and he ju- he just knows where the ball is going yeah. to land. It's phenomenal. It's a really quick shuffle of feet, isn't yeah. it? You know, to get get himself in a shooting position. Like, like those, those turns that he does, like the angles that they're at. Like, remember uh, Taylor, the Swansea fullback? There was one time, like, it looked like a, a 120 <coughs> degree turn on the run, he knocked a pass, and that little kind of, that kind of dink, like, like he, he was running towards the byline, like, like David Moyes would have loved that. And he, like, and then he does this kind of crazy turn inside him, like, well, like we said, where the ball kind of bounces up off the ground. I think it was for, um, when he laid it back to Henderson and Henderson hit a shot straight at Vorm. But like it, it's just it's mental looking. Like there's like there's no way a defender can kind of anticipate it could anticipate it. And like when like it's his work rate as well. Yeah. It's absolutely unbelievable. Like when like someone that scores that many goals, like you see Ronaldo scores like that amount of goals, but then he like he's kinda of looking at the rest of the team when Real don't have the ball saying what he's gonna do, like win that back for me. But like like it, you see him in the eighty fifth minute and all trying to like adjusting his running when he's pressing like to, to every pass, like you know, trying to Trying to catch a centre back out on the ball or whatever, like it's, it's just like it's just this blend of movement, like constant movement and work. It's like it's unbelievable. Yeah. It's, you, you can't defend. I was very happy with uh, with Sturridge and I, I, you know, I wanted to see us go back to a two. I wanted to see Suarez come more central, and it was nice to see Sturridge willing to go out and do some of the work that um, Suarez has been doing over the last few weeks. Because I felt Suarez was putting in a huge amount of the actual, you know, donkey work, so to speak, and and adding a lot more to the to the overall team effort than than maybe what Sturridge was. No, don't get me wrong, Sturridge was smacking it in the back of the net, so that's uh, that's allowed. But um, it was nice to fucking uh, <laughs> <laughs> generous of you. Yeah, I'm, 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 sound, I'm sound like that. <laughs> but no, to be fair, um, no, it was nice to see it was nice to see Sturridge more central. But no, I, like I, I was I was very happy with with, with their contribution as a as a pair even though Phil Casey keeps on telling us they're not a partnership um, well, he tells uh, us a lot of shit he tells he, us a lot of shit um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah no I was, I was, I was did, you see, did you see the Murr's little uh, caption uh, Daniel Sturridge fails to score, score for the ninth game yeah, in a row yeah 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 that's because they're idiots <laughs> he, yes they are <laughs> <laughs> he, he looked he looked incredibly pissed off coming off that he like when you had the other lad hobbling around up front after getting killed yeah, with a tackle yeah absolutely the hunchback in Andre Dan was, was up there for yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hobbling around shouting the bells, the bells. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you know what I mean. I can I can understand where he's coming from. You know okay, what absolutely I mean? right. Yeah. He's thinking, why fucking? Why am I coming off? Why is Hoppy yeah. not coming? Oh, off? Exactly. You know I, mean? I tell you and why. I tell you why. Because Brent, Brent has looked at it and says, "This isn't the Daniel Storage fucking show." This yeah, is no, not no, absolutely. Show. We want to make a little point here. Yeah. We're going to win this as a team, and it's yeah. not that I, like, storage scores that that's all it's talked about all week. Oh, 10 goals, 10 goals. Yeah, you know, that, that's going to little line on the boss around here. Yeah, and it's nice to see, yeah, it it's, it's great to see, in fact, because it means that Bren is yet again my mate Bren. Your uh, mate Bren. <laughs> <laughs> Friend, 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 friend of the stars, Stephen Daly. My mate Brent is just putting his foot down. He's just saying, you know what, lads? I don't give a, I don't give a shit what reputation you come with. Yeah. Who comes here? I'm, I'm the gaffer. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, no, you see, you know, it's, it's, it's honestly great to see. You know, 
Okay, lastly, some admin. First, we want to thank the good folk here at the Red Cow Inn who've been kind enough to offer us some very comfortable environs in which to record the show tonight. As ever, I want to remind you of the HJC Cup Ireland on March the 22nd at Astro Park, Dublin. Um, most important thing on the night will be the auction, so make sure you bring your wallets, folks. Big thanks, as always, to Johnny Rep for our class intro music. Um, you can follow all our news and views on Liverpool Ways, and you should also get down to Moley's www.beyondthecop.com. My own writing can be found on liverpooloffside.sbnation.com and you should follow that every day. There's a lot of um, really good writers on that site. Subscribe to All Things Trippery either on Podbean, iTunes or any podcatcher such as Beyond Pod on Android. And finally, your day trippers tonight were Marco Lopez, James Owen, Andy Young, Steve Daly, Damien Flood, Phil Casey and myself, Trev Downey. Oh, fuck off. Abort! Abort! <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, lads, our submarine's going down. We're going to have to call you back. Oh, man, alive. Lads, just uh, hang on, lads. Hey, don't forget the Johnsons are coming over. I want to find a rosé Jill hasn't tried yet. Let's go exploring at Total Wine. Their prices are ridiculously low. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, always low prices. Total Wine and more. Hey, imagine if all your frustrations about advertising your business could be solved right now. You should know that podcast listeners are more engaged in higher converting than any other advertising medium. So try AdHub today and reap the rewards of Spreaker's self-advertising platform. It makes it as effortless as ever to be heard by thousands, regardless of the listening app they use. Visit Spreaker.com forward slash AdHub. That's S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R.com forward slash AdHub and start using your advertising dollars in an impactful way. Sports Social Podcast Network.